poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. I am joined by John Chai because today's Tactical Tuesday. John, what's up, sir? Doing pretty good. We got uh, we got some of your hands. That that uh, is that the the correct response to what's up? What's up? Oh. Doing doing pretty good. <laughs> what's up uh have you have you ever done greetings before john do you <laughs> oh you usually ask me how i am instead of what's up i think so that messed me up i, I just have the answer pre, pre, pre-typed in. confused <laughs> <laughs> oh brother this is gonna be a great show i can i can already tell usually by this point we've already redone the intro I'm surprised that you've let it run this long, but I guess we're we're sticking with it. Oh, we're sticking with we have to stick with this one. This is the one. Um so we have actually three hands in store for you today. And the theme is very unoriginal because it happens maybe once a month or so where I play some hands on pokercoaching.com uh in my life, play and explain. And John's like, oh, let's do some hands that you played for Tactical Tuesday. And here we are. Um, and we have three. I'm not exactly sure why this first hand was not the one I chose, but John had some kind of comment that he wanted to share with me that he he's kept to himself. So this better be better be a good comment. Um so actually like this was one of the first hands that you played on stream and I watched the replay or I watched a little bit of the replay and I just like saw this hand because it happened like right off the bat. But mm-hmm. you can just run through the whole thing. It's there's not right. really any strategic analysis all right so for the podcast listener they do need to know the action i open under the gun with ace queen off the button three bet me to 95 i four bet to 245 they called flop is jack eight tray rainbow i checked uh spr is like 1.5 ish uh, they check behind turn is a four i have the ace of diamonds uh, I decided to bet on the turn small to jam river. I actually think that I could have checked, let turn check through and then jam river as well. Um, maybe yeah. just, I, yeah, I think you can do whatever you want. I think you can go bet, bet, bet. I think you can do what you're, what you did in this hand and delay C bet jam river. I think you can river one bet. Like you said, the SPR on the flop and a four bet pot is such that you kind of, you could go all sorts of different ways and they're all, they're all good. Yeah. So the river completes my imaginary flush here on the river. Um, and I stick in my last 600 and villain snap calls and has aces. So okay. what's, your, what's your comment here? So my comment when I saw this hand is that there's no difference between this and aces versus kings. This is the exact same thing as aces versus kings. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Explain. Why, why is this no different than aces versus kings? Because, oh, especially at 1K. Not, I don't know if this is necessarily true at, at maybe like lower stakes or micro stakes, but 
at 1k when you get like the regs who are like fighting aces in position facing you know pre-flop four bet and you have one of your four bet bluffs one of the hands that you're like always putting all the money in with um except maybe on like a king queen flop but like you're always getting stacked on a queen eye board you're always getting stacked on an ace eye board and then you're always getting stacked on like nothing you know nothing boards like this <laughs> Maybe we don't always put our money in. I mean, we, we did get the backdoor flush run out, which is quite nice, I think. Maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, come on. You're, matter? There's, what, in what world do you not get stacked with ace-queen on jack-8-3-4-10 after you 4-bet preflop? Prob- probably not, not this world. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think like on the surface, it sounds insane that like this is a massive cooler, but this is actually a, a pretty big cooler. <laughs> I mean, I, and I feel like I say that, that, I say a, that, I say that all the time. I say no. that all the time in like group coaching and wolves. I'm like, like, you know, someone just bluffs it off on the river and they get called. I'm like, wow, what a cooler. And like, everyone just kind of laughs and we're like, well, what do you mean cooler? Like, what's the other side? I'm like, no, 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 these are actually coolers. And like, this is, this is kind of how we should think about it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for bringing my misery onto tactical. <laughs> I think Tuesday. it's, I think it's important for like, you know, especially for wolves and like I, could, I wasn't even set up for this hand, by the way. I like I was tr- trying to get my tables together, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter if you are all, if even if you were all set up, you get, you're getting stacked anyways. Like, I was stuck two buy-ins before I could even get situated <laughs> in my in my seat um, for this this P and E. Um, but yeah, okay, basically, you're, you're I think like right. what I what I would like want people to take away, and maybe like especially wolves, but also like other like pretty high level poker players is that like when this happens, you shouldn't feel like this is a punch or like you just, you know, you, you, you torch the stack in a spot where you shouldn't have like, this is, I think like it's more appropriate to think of these situations as actual coolers. All right. And I think that helps a lot with like mental game, especially with like, you know, the rest of your session, especially, you know, if this happens early on in your session, like it did, not that. Right. I I mean, there's one thing that like I've always um, understood and recognized when you play poker, right? I, I think like there's this thought of like, oh, I, I bluffed and got caught. Like I, I should have spent this thousand uh, dollars. Who knows? God only knows what, right? But like when you play poker, I mean, they don't call here a hundred percent of the time, right? So like right. the bet that you make is an investment, and you make the investment because you think that villain will fold often enough to make that bet profitable. So you have the chance of winning, right? Which you don't have it if you just like go spend $1,000 on a TV, right? That TV is probably not going to duplicate itself and turn it into $2,000. Um, so anyway, like just think of poker as investments, making bets that you believe to be profitable because of the situation. And yeah, that's it. Um, so like, do I think this investment with a bet on the river with Ace Queen makes money over the long run? I think it does. Uh, does it here? Absolutely not. It does not make money here when villain has exactly aces. Um, all right. So there we go. We're through that. Um, now let's go to some hands where uh, I don't get just absolutely obliterated um, before I can get my chair warm. Um, I haven't seen these hands. So it'll be tables will be turned. Yeah, you've seen one of them, I know. Oh, right, right. You've oh, yeah. seen the hand the number two one. because we, yeah. we talked about it. Uh, I don't even know why I made you say that on tight. See, John is a liar, just for the listener, <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> He's a misleader 
I wanted people to be like so wowed by my on the spot analysis. <laughs> so again, now, they, yeah. now they won't be. Now they won't be. You're, you're just <laughs> totally biased because you, you've seen it. Um, so this hand though is blind versus blind. I opened three X with the eight four of spades. Uh, um, I mean, it's a little loose, but I'm here to play poker. So we go. Villain calls. We get pretty good flop for an eight and a four. King five yeah. tray with the king five of spades can really just do <laughs> whatever, whatever uh, I can check raise. I can bet. Um, I fall bit big, but bet medium. <laughs> uh, I ended up betting going the medium route and villain called and I turn an eight. Uh, I checked when, after I turned a pair, I don't think it betting makes a lot of sense. My equity here, um, it's not like, Check calling or check check lets Villain uh, over realize a ton of equity with my exact hand. Um, just yeah, don't don't really care what happens here. Uh, villain bets small. It's about a third actually on the turn, which is a strange sizing. Um, and I remember thinking and verbalizing out loud when Villain bet a third here on the turn. Uh, I don't know if I described the board for the podcast listener actually. Oh. The flop was king five tray with the king five of spades, and I have the eight four of spades. The turn is an eight of diamonds. Um, so I check the turn. There's 117 in the pot. Villain bets 37, and I check call. Just pretty standard stuff. Um, considered leading the river if I river trips or a flush. Um, just because of this kind of small bet on the turn is kind of strange. Uh, makes it feels me feel like they're like, not going to bet the river. Yeah, it feels like they're going to check behind a, a lot. Like King Deuce of Hearts or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so I, I river two pair, which is like the hand, you know, the the improvement that I didn't really have a plan for. And then in looking at the board, I thought, well, like Villain, I guess, could have six, seven uh, gutter on the flop, double gut shot on the or open ender on the turn. Um, and then straight on the river. So like, didn't feel like leading was my best option. I also thought that like, if I have six, seven, I'm most likely going bet bet. So I probably don't have six, seven here and villain can put me in lots of pain. Um, if I did lead, so there's 191 in the pot. I check with my now two pair and villain gives us the two X on the river here. So he's he or she is a fan of last week's tactical Tuesday commitment, right? This is commitment to, to the river. What are your thoughts, John? Um, man, this is, this is, a, this is like a line that I really, that I rarely see. And I'm surprised to see this river over, but after like the tiny, tiny size on the turn, um, I called here and lost, like what hands would I expect to lose to? Um, pocket threes and fives maybe, but like I just like think those hands might raise the flop sometimes and like likely bet the turn bigger. Um, I mean, why not ace-deuce or six-seven? Yeah, ace-deuce. Again, like maybe this is just me projecting like the way I play onto other opponents, but again, I would expect those hands to just bet the turn bigger. I mean, you, you, I don't know that you bet the turn small with any part of your range. So we can kind of start there. Huh. <laughs> like the turn for you is pretty uncharted territory. That because is a good like, point. Yeah. yeah y- y- we can't eliminate very much because like you're never using this size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess like Ace Deuce and and six seven like are very reasonable, you know, bluff the turn and then bet big on the river candidates, especially when you're not blocking any of the pairs or you're not blocking king. But I'm still surprised to see surprised to see this line. What's your action on the river? Yeah, call. Yeah, just call right. It's just like yeah, it's like yeah, it's like I'm surprised to see this, but like this hand is just I'm, I'm never it's thinking about holding this hand blind yeah. versus blind. Yeah. Um, I think that's really the key here. Like villain bet three seventy four into one ninety one, um, blind versus blind just gives villain a bunch of unnatural bluffs, like hands that float the flop and then just kind of go ham on turn and river. And like in loose formations, you can just expect to find hands that just, yeah, you, you don't, <laughs> you can expect the unexpected, I guess I should say. Hands that you're not really going to put in villain's range, but they have them anyway. Um, so I, I did call with two pair. I did think about it like in real time, probably 15 or 20 seconds. Um, villain had the jack 10 off. So, double back doors i guess on the flop like back door straight with the back door flush when i do my hand history reviews like i download the hands and i look at look back at them one thing i am consistently surprised by is how wide the big blind calls the flop c bet even when you bet like half pot like i just would not expect jack of diamonds ten of spades to call half pot on the flop i just think that 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 folds like you know pretty frequently maybe all the time um but yeah, I mean, the, uh, the again, man, like, the man that's just like always putting putting the money in is shocked that someone else puts the money in. It's <laughs> would you call the flop the jack ten with a spade? I don't know, probably blocking yeah. king jack and king ten with back double back doors. Like I said, I, I probably wouldn't bet small than two x river. Um, but I, I'd probably call. I mean. Your hands, your hands, really good. You, you got like two chances to win. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Backdoor flush and straight, and you can bluff. Yeah, you can bluff really badly. <laughs> <laughs> Give away the money for no reason. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, Mister <laughs> Bet Three Bet with the seven five. Uh, <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to like talk more about the river. I mean, like we definitely, you would never expect to beat value on the river and so no. we are counting on them to bluff uh count on counting on them to show up with sure. like a lot of bluffs fortunately they they you know blind versus blind people do show up with a lot of bluffs right um i'm also like kind of i sort of like operate under the assumption that river over bets blind versus blind are generally <laughs> over bluffed um don't have like any data or anything to back that up that's just from me clicking call a lot when People overbet the river. <laughs> Clicking call a lot and also overbetting the river a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, per, I, personal I, experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I think like one of the biggest takeaways from this hand is like checking the turn. I think a lot of people would be tempted to bet the turn just thinking like, oh, my hand actually improved. I, like my hand has so much equity versus, you know, anything like I can just bet this, bet this turn. But you kind of ask, have to stop and ask yourself like, are you value betting the turn or are you bluffing? If you're value betting turn, like are there worse hands that you, really expect to call um and i think like this hand specifically like just show like opponent showing up with jack of diamonds diamonds ten of spades like really shows the value of uh checking and allowing their bluffs to to bluff when you when you do make a pair yeah you gotta hold on for dear life though on the river um 
Not when you make two pair. Kind Not of when like, you make two pair, but I mean, if the river's like a deuce, then we get this 2x, then maybe it's a different situation. Which is funny because like we don't beat any value. Yeah, either way, <laughs> right? This, we don't beat right. any value with the deuce. So like, is a four that different from a deuce? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, all right, hand number two is going to be a little bit different. We get tricky and tricky gets us. So stick around after the break. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a pre-flop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I love the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about bootcamp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, 
head to chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right. Welcome back from the break. You may be surprised that I have pocket queens, but yeah, we have a good hand on Tactical Tuesday. <laughs> the best hand we've ever had on Tactical Tuesday. I think so. Like, did, do we get, I mean, you get jacks a lot and king queen off. That seems to be, I haven't ran the numbers of the breakdown of hands that we've looked at, but king queen off has got to be in the lead. Has I mean, to be I, number one, yeah. I know there's more combos of offsuit hands, but my God, the king queen off. It's it's super I tricky. really struggled with that handbook the first <laughs> couple of months of Tactical Tuesday. It was just like, hey, so there's more king queen off today. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> I get it so much. I end up putting lots of money in. and I don't know Every single do. time for some reason. Like, my whole stack just somehow ends up in the middle. I just don't know how. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have queens on the button. And... You can break this hand down if you want to. Ooh. All right. So it looks like a reg opens to $25 from middle position. Brad, three bets to $75 on the button with pocket queens, queen of diamonds, queen of spades. The reg calls to $75 where start the hand about 100 big blinds effective. Ooh, man, what a flop. Queen, eight, seven, two hearts. Flop top set in position in a three bet pot. Is there really anything else you could ask for in life? Well, couple of things i'll I'll, we'll get to those um (laughs) actually so there's more than i could ask for for sure i i start with a third and right now i'm asking to get check raised please please oblige me and go for the check raise which which they do wait how did you feel when this happened by the way just i felt happy oh man i felt i felt like okay i'm stuck 2200 but now there's hope (laughs) <laughs> now there's hope to get one stack back. Like maybe we can claw our way back to even in this session. Um, I can't any, believe this has happening. <laughs> <laughs> any merit to bet through betting the flop? Mm. We bet 48, by the way. They check raise to 156. I do think there is some merit to bet through betting the flop. Like I think there, there are some, um, some hands in your like bluff range that do just want to like jam the flop and make sure you see all five cards um hands that i'm thinking about are like ace jack of hearts you know ace king of hearts like those hands jack ten of hearts nine ten of right hearts. where like you know if you call the check raise and then face a huge battle in turn like it's just extremely painful to fold that much equity so like maybe those sorts of hands want to jam and if you are jamming those sorts of hands and your opponents know that you have those sorts of hands in your bet three bet jam range on the flop like you can get away with jamming your hand like top set um but in general i think the simplest strategy is to have no bet three bets and just flaunt this check raise with your entire range that wants to continue. I thought too, like maybe they can be getting a little bit out of line with like some Jack tens or King Jack of clubs or just something like right. that. Right. Um, and put more money in. On when you block all the Queens, you're like, this guy, you know, it's like maybe a little bit more likely that this guy's getting out of line. Yeah. Uh, turn is a nine. So uh, if they Jack weren't 10. getting out of line with Jack 10, well now they have a straight, but not overly concerned. King Jack of clubs is also, yeah, I, I mentioned King Jack of Clubs and King Jack of, uh, yeah, King Jack of Clubs specifically. Like they could yeah. check raise the flop. Yeah. Uh, they bet half pot on the turn, so they bet two thirty seven into four seventy eight, and I have eight thirty three remaining. Uh, again, like any merit to ripping the turn? 
I think there's less merit to ripping the turn than there is to bet three betting the flop. I think like I don't know. I think it's like tough to balance like hands that you want to like having like a bluff range in the spot. Like maybe some like I don't know. You just have to like be getting like pretty fancy and like start. I don't know. Your strategy starts becoming like really really complicated at that point. I think I just follow the same strategy that we had on the flop and just flat my entire continuing range. I mean, it'd have to be something like ace ten of hearts, right? Or ace ten of clubs, maybe. Yeah. Called yeah. the flop check raise with ace ten of clubs. Right. Right. Like, I'm so worried that like when I jam those hands, the only hands that I'm folding out are worse than mine. Yeah. Well. Either way, um, I agree with you. I think the turn should just be a flat, like, and a lot more merit to bet three betting the flop than right. really raising the turn here. Just, you know, if they have a good hand, the money's most likely going in either way. And if they have bluffs or lower equity hands, then I want to let them put the last bet in. Um, so we call the turn. The board is queen, seven, eight, nine with the seven, eight of hearts and queen, nine of clubs. And we get this beautiful river, the Jack of Hearts. So the board is now seven. The flop was Queen Seven Eight with the Seven Eight of Hearts. The turn was a Nine of Clubs, and the river is the Jack of Hearts. So there's four liner on the board, and the front door flush completes. And now, please don't jam. Please don't jam. Please don't jam. I'm yes, stuck two point two k. On the turn, we're like, yeah, ho- hoping for the river jam, and this card comes, and we're like, please don't put the money in. Uh, Honestly, I don't even know what I would do if they put the money in. Uh, I would probably just walk away from my computer and let it time out. Um, I didn't fold it. <laughs> uh, they, they made me, right? The, the computer made me fold it. I, I, I didn't do it myself. Um, they do check, thankfully, oh. mercifully, mercifully. So there's 952 in the pot, and I have 596 remaining. So about two-thirds pot size bet left on the river here john how greedy are you um, so i remember when you first showed me this hand like a couple hours ago and they you showed me the check on the river i was like oh my god we were supposed to stack this guy on the flop like he clearly has like you know a set or like two pair or something on the flop that is now sad about you know as sad about the river as we are probably like we were supposed to just bet three bet the flop and you know cooler some cooler this poor guy but now we're not going to have that chance. But yeah. you still think that there's a chance. <laughs> yes, I jammed <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I don't think, and I remember verbalizing in game, I just don't think that they are checking straights or flushes. I agree. Like, it just takes so much self-control. to. I, mean, I don't even know if that's like good self-control, but it just takes like a ridiculous amount of self-control to not bet a straight or a flush on this river yeah i mean basically like and the reason why i i think they bet a lot is because i have a lot of bluff catchers right like ace queen um aces or kings yep. uh you know maybe a set of like jacks uh maybe a set of queens um in this case and like when you make a straight or a flush like and it just goes check check on the river when you have a 66 percent pot size bet left you just feel like an idiot right you're like oh my why, why did i check that's just stupid and if you have a 10 and like villain has a flush well you're going broke either way right you, you check a 10 like i jam you're obviously calling and losing to a flush if you jam with your 10 they're obviously calling with a flush and you lose right so yep. basically like jamming with those hands makes it to where um 
you punish the bluff catchers and, and you're not letting the other hands play perfectly, right? So I just thought, given all that information, that like Villain, as you said, most likely has a set or two pair and probably has like six combos of sets um, and just said, whatever, like I, I need to make this 2200 back. So let's, put the, <laughs> let's just get 600 of it right here. Um, yeah, I would. I, so like in your shoes, I probably would have had the same thought on the river. Oh, this guy has like two pair of set. Yeah. Don't know if I find the jam on the river anyways, because like, I would just be like, well, I don't know if those hands call on this particular river. Like if they never call with a set of sevens or a set of eights, then like suddenly this bet is not very appealing. Um, Cause then we only get called by like their random traps, but you know, our trap flushes and, and, and trap straights. If they ever do that some tiny percent of the time. Um, so I do not think I would have had the, We'll call it courage. The courage to, to to jam this river with top set. Um, and it's possible that I can get the footage to tack it on here at the end uh, of this hand for mm. the YouTube listener. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, probably won't be able to put it on there, but check out youtube.com slash chasing poker greatness. And I can put this hand to kind of, yeah, see how, what I was thinking in real time, but to the best of my memory, which could be flawed, I'm pretty sure villain called fairly quick. Like, I don't think they went into their time bank. Um, and we won. So set uh, of sevens. Yeah, Eights. they have. Yeah. So they had a set of sevens and we won and we ended up actually making it back to minus $100 after a disastrous start to the PE. So not, not so bad. So this guy called quickly with a set of sevens. Yeah. Pretty quick, pretty quick. I think like it's these spots where, where it's like, I don't think they're looking at the board. I think they're very upset at the run out and they just call despite themselves. Like, honestly, I just, I just, this always happens to me when I flop a set. Like, yeah, <laughs> look at it. Look at this. Let me show you how unlucky I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, how lucky you almost got. If you would have thought about the river, um, but decided that you were instead unlucky. So, yeah, um, these are the hands from my, my P&E that went uh, yeah, better than expected after the first 10 minutes. And oh, Like that, I said, though, the A-screen one, don't feel too bad about that. It's just a cooler. <laughs> just a cooler. It's okay. Just <laughs> self-soothe. Self um, it's okay. It's okay, Brad. Um, all right. Well, good Tactical Tuesday. Thank you for uh, listening. And we'll talk to you week? in the near future. Yeah, maybe, maybe even next week if all the stars align. Maybe. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.